So we uh, will definitely be looking at, and as we speak, we are looking at uh, potential opportunities where uh, either important strategic capability additions or new market access or one of the, or maybe even design capabilities, uh, important uh, industry-specific reimagination capabilities, what have you. We are looking at uh, inorganic opportunities across a wide spectrum of uh, uh, areas. And I would expect that a fair bit of our investment will uh, go into that inorganic uh, side as well. Hi, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. Welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation. I'm Hari Arakli, and my guest today is Krishnan Ramanujam, President and Head of Business and Technology Services at TCS, India's biggest IT company. In this concluding part of our two-part conversation, Krishnan talks about TCS's strategy to build cloud ecosystems for customers as the cloud model starts delivering much more than cost benefits and the investments the company will need to make going forward. Here's more from our conversation. Hmm. So for for your customers to be able to take better advantage of uh, what is available, uh, you also mentioned uh, moving towards the ecosystem play mm-hmm. and what you called uh, a business 4.0. Uh, explain to us a bit uh, about what TCS uh, sees as uh, business 4.0, what do you mean by that? And then uh, tell us about the ecosystem uh, play. Sure, Harry. So business 4.0 uh, essentially is a thought leadership framework, if you will, uh, that Fortune 2000 enterprises can leverage for their growth and transformation. At a very, very simple and basic level, that's what it is about, Harry. In that framework, again, uh, for brevity sakes, we talk about four important business capabilities that are critical for enterprises across the spectrum. Right? So and those uh, critical business capabilities are what we call as mass personalization. Uh, today, customer experience, uh, it called by different names, uh, customer experience being the most popular one. Mass customization was one. The ability to uh, segment and sub-segment your customers down to the segment of one, which is the holy grail. That is definitely a possibility today. In fact, there are many good success stories around that. Uh, we called that out about uh, five years ago when we launched the Business for Auto uh, framework. So mass customization is one important pillar. The second important pillar is the ability to embrace risk. Right? Uh, we all know risks and rewards go together. And uh, when we say risk, embrace risk, it is uh, how do you embrace risk in a calculated and planned way? that reduces the cost of failure. That's how you need to understand that when we say embrace risk. So just as a quick example, uh, for a pharma company, um, when they launch a new drug, the new drug development process is typically one that involves an average of 10 to 12 years and entails a spend of uh, anywhere between five and $6 billion on average. Right? So if by leveraging digital capabilities, if you can bring down the time frame from 10 to 12 years and the... Uh, uh, risk of clinical trials, etc., by various uh, digital interventions, you can bring that, uh, bring the risk of those uh, uh, clinical trials, the errors, and all that there down. And in all this, uh, by leveraging cloud and so on, if you can bring the uh, overall cost down, the ability for a pharma company today to think about uh, a new drug development cycle from the time of the discovery of a molecule to the actual FDA clearance and launch of a blockbuster drug, right? 
that is uh, can very effectively shrink from 10 to 12 years to 3 to 5 years today it is definitely a possibility and i think we saw a version of that play out in the uh, vaccine development process right? never in the history of mankind was a vaccine developed in the kind of time frame that uh, um, um the leading uh, firms today produce the vaccine for covid right so those are all definitely uh, wonders in which the cloud and the broader digital forces played a big part and that is what we mean by the ability to embrace risk so if the same for the same say 10 billion dollars of investment that uh, a pharma company may be willing to put if they can launch two or three drugs instead of just one drug that improves their odds of a blockbuster drug. Typically in pharma, for every 10 drugs that you launch, one uh, turns out to be a blockbuster or 10 or 20. It turns out 5%, I think, is the uh, hit rate in terms of a blockbuster drug. If that probability can suddenly double, then the uh, probable rewards for the kind of risk that you're taking in terms of money as well as time uh, have just doubled. So that is a very, very important uh, um, attraction for our customer base. So that is what we call... Uh, embrace risk, right? So we talked about uh, mass customization, mass personalization, and uh, embracing risk. And the third one is the uh, leverage of ecosystems, which like I said earlier, is about uh, transcending the boundaries, not only of your enterprise, but also of your industry itself, and looking at other uh, industries and enterprises in terms of uh, practices that you can cobble together in an ecosystem to be able to serve your customer better. So as a very simple rudimentary example uh, for brevity sex again, uh, an airline, right? Today, uh, ignoring the cargo operations, let's say it's just a passenger airline. The only product that they sell is a ticket to Hari and Krishna. <clears throat> but Hari and Krishna, um, sometimes they travel for business, sometimes they travel for pleasure, sometimes they travel with friends, sometimes they travel with colleagues, um, family and so on and so forth. But being an airline, the only product that you sell to them is a ticket. And if, uh, for example, Hari is traveling on vacation, his budget, uh, uh, the, the proportion of an airline ticket uh, as the overall proportion of a budget is probably 20% at best, right? Uh, there is a remaining $80 that he spends on various things in which the airline has no role to play. But through their loyalty programs and so on, uh, the airline has a lot of information about Hari and they can very easily figure out, is Hari traveling on business or pleasure? Uh, who is he traveling with? What are his broad plans and so on? And so an airline uh, can actually bring together others. For example, a car rental company, for example, a vacation resort, um, for example, flowers and other arrangements that may be needed for specific things uh, during a itinerary and so on. A lot of these things they can proactively uh, put together and offer a complete package to you. So instead of being able to just sell a ticket, today an airline um, can think much broader and they can play a much more significant and important role in your overall vacation planning instead of just being a vendor of a ticket. That's a very uh, basic and rudimentary example of what we mean by a ecosystem play, uh, Hari. Um, and there are very, very many complex and uh, very interesting and innovative uh, ideas across multiple industries. But by definition, uh, the ecosystem ideas transcend industry boundaries. Uh, people from multiple uh, industries have to come together. We have again published uh, a couple of examples on the healthcare industry, for example, um, where uh, Humana, uh, one of our customers, it's a matter of public record, so I can name the customer. Uh, 
their ecosystem, health ecosystem play uh, has been a very big story where they have, uh, instead of just thinking about their, uh, you know, insurance service line, how can uh, Humana be a force in uh, improving the overall health outcomes for the communities that are their customers? And so they bring together uh, wearables, uh, other uh, healthcare products, uh, things like treadmills and uh, so on, and even uh, real estate developers to put together uh, parks and uh, exercise uh, facilities and so on. And uh, they have seen some outstanding results uh, going all the way up to their uh, stock price and market cap, uh, really meaningfully uh, increasing because of this ecosystem strategy. So that's the third pillar of business board auto in terms of what we call as leverage ecosystems. And in doing so, exponential value being delivered not only to your customer, but also to you as an enterprise. There again, there are many examples with the hyperscalers themselves being outstanding examples of the exponential value that they have created, uh, not only for their customers, but also for themselves. So these four pillars uh, are what we call as the business pillars, uh, Hari, of uh, Business Board Auto. And the core, four important uh, core digital technologies, uh, agile, automation, intelligence, which is analytics, and uh, cloud as the four uh, key uh, technology or process pillars, if you will, um, coming together in various shapes and forms, uh, making it possible for enterprises to develop and leverage those four business pillar capabilities is the fundamental idea behind uh, Business for Auto. Sorry, I did not mean it to be such a long uh, response, but uh, Business for Auto as a concept is a one-hour presentation that we typically do. And uh, hopefully I was able to do justice in maybe five or six minutes. No, this was uh, very useful. And, and I guess it also uh, helped me uh, think about uh, what you mean when you talk about uh, contextual knowledge. Because throughout uh, what you were telling me, I was thinking that maybe this is how uh, the idea of contextual knowledge is enabled. So maybe you can briefly tell us, uh, in terms of the technologies that you bring to bear, what, what are the specific ways in this in which TCS makes that happen? That contextual, uh, you know, knowledge for your customers, so that they can, you know, go after the remaining eighty percent that the customer was not directly spending with them. That you mentioned in the case of an airline, uh, and, and and again in the case of healthcare, you talked about the larger impact on uh, communities. Sure, absolutely, Hari, and I think contextual knowledge is something that we are extremely proud of. And uh, in fact, we have talked about it in multiple forums as uh, one of the secret sources for TCS's success. Right? And first, I think it would be fair for me to begin uh, by explaining what do we mean by contextual knowledge? Uh, contextual knowledge is basically uh, both the hard knowledge and the soft tacit knowledge that we gain about our customers by virtue of uh, having uh, the privilege of being their uh, strategic partners for long periods of time. Right? It is very uh, common in TCS to be in client relationships that have lasted a decade or more. Right? Definitely five years and more is uh, now today the norm rather than the exception. And 10 years and more is very, very common. And there are uh, some relationships that exceed 30, 35 years uh, in terms of their duration and still to this day are continuing as very large relationships. So that kind of uh, longevity of being a strategic partner for a customer gives you the privilege and the uh, ability to know so much about uh, their customers, their IT estates, their process estates, and so on, that very often the customers themselves 
may not possess because uh, much of this is actually not documented and institutionalized in terms of a, a knowledge framework and then propagated as executives uh, join and leave their uh, respective firms um it tends to get lost in some form or another right whereas by virtue of uh, being a long standing partner uh, for tcs and uh, there are many of our executives client partners and such who uh, stay with those individual client relationships for really long periods of time and more importantly the institutionalized frameworks by which we capture and propagate these uh, institutional knowledge or contextual knowledge about each individual customers uh, circumstances and situations in the it estates and the process estates we capture that document it and actually train all of our people when they whenever uh, a person joins a particular client's project teams uh, tcs has a onboarding program right um, in that onboarding program all of this what we call as contextual knowledge uh, in its uh, uh, documented or capsulized form if you will is being imparted to all the newly new entrants into a particular customer relationship right? um well you can only learn so much in the classroom and uh, what they uh, learn in the classroom through those onboarding programs also uh, makes not only their onboarding into the customers uh, programs uh, shorter easier and much more effective it gives a very pleasant experience for the customers in terms of people already coming with a lot of the knowledge which otherwise customers would have to spend a significant amount of time and effort in importing to the customer. and more importantly when the customer executives themselves do not have that knowledge tcs can be the bridge that uh, provides them that knowledge that is so critical in making very crucial decisions especially if it is about large transformation programs such as the onion cloud right so this uh, contextual knowledge comes in many shapes and forms and some of which can be quite subtle right? to start with it can be a very very simple advantage of eliminating having to uh, hire expensive consultants um to come and do a discovery exercise right what is my estate what is here if i have to go into a cloud transformation uh, what are all the things where are uh, the skeletons in my closet or cobwebs in my cupboard whatever you call it right all of that typically are uh, done by consulting firms uh, as a 6 to 8 week exercise of uh, discovery and so on right now that is completely not required um tcs can just give that to you in a matter of a couple of days because much of it already exists and it only needs to be put together in some form to be able to write that so for every transformation program tcs has a earns a seat at the table even if tcs is not the uh, si who is implementing the transformation program tcs is a very very critical uh, cog in the wheel of those overall transformation programs because of this ingrained contextual knowledge that is the first level right at a second level uh if you look at uh, from an executive standpoint you uh, whether it's a business unit president or a cio or whoever it is they need to build a business case for a transformation program they need to put their uh, jobs if not careers behind it uh, at stake and they need to go and argue in front of their boards right when such uh, important decisions and business cases are made and argued in front of the board they want realism in terms of those business cases and uh, they want to know that the odds of me hitting this business cases are quite high and that is where this contextual knowledge comes really really handy and i can't tell you how priceless it is and the kind of uh, recognition and the appreciation that uh, some of these uh, interventions by tcs in terms of making the 
uh, infusing realism into the business cases and not be taken in by the claims that uh, a third party might make in terms of how fast or how well, uh, how effective you can make something. Right? Because like I said, the uh, TCS by virtue of its longstanding uh, presence in the customer, we know where the cobwebs are and we know uh, if you touch something, what else will break or whatever may be the complexities within that. And that is extremely important and that uh, infusing an element of realism in the business case and not just uh, uh, giving into sensational claims is another big thing that uh, contextual knowledge helps us with. And at a third level, it also involves reduction of complexity. Uh, earlier, let's say, for example, uh, emerges and acquisitions example. I talked about two, uh, what was then the largest cloud migration right, in the professional services industry. They went through 80 acquisitions in the last uh, five or six years. Um, when an m &A transaction happens, we all know how uh, disruptive it can be and how careful that uh, merger integration needs to happen for the overall uh, m and program to succeed. Right? So our uh, contextual knowledge, which knows the uh, estate quite well, whether it is a integration of an acquired entity or the divestiture of an existing business uh, to say a private uh, uh, venture capitalist or whoever, both of these, our contextual knowledge is a very, very key piece in uh, reducing the complexity and increasing the certainty. So as uh, I'm sure you know, the TSA, Transition Services Agreement, is a very, very key risk element that can blow out your cost in case things don't go to plan. Right? The ability to infuse certainty, uh, TSA certainty, if you will, uh, in these kind of m and transactions is a very important uh, value uh, that uh, contextual knowledge can bring. Again, I said uh, three levels. I can keep going, but hopefully uh, this gives you a sense. Fair enough. Uh, so I, I would imagine providing contextual knowledge, uh, the technology to bring that to your customers, is fairly uh, high level uh, value addition that you're providing. So, and if I uh, look at that alongside uh, uh, your partnerships, uh, your deep partnerships with uh, you know, whether it's Amazon or Microsoft or Google or any of the other uh, hyperscalers, IBM and so on, uh, bringing the combination of all these different uh, abilities or capabilities, what are the uh, new business models that are emerging in the IT services industry? And maybe if you want to talk specifically about uh, business models that uh, TCS uh, is uh, now uh, bringing forward, I mean, that's great too. Sure. Uh, so the uh, as things stand now, still a great majority of those uh, Horizon One transformations, Hari, uh, they follow our traditional uh, pricing model, right? Um, those would be typical uh, outsourcing type of pricing models, where uh, here are your current costs, here is a, here are your future costs, and then of course there may be a, a few Horizon Two type of benefits in terms of uh, customer experience, in terms of uh, new product introduction, and so on. There, there is uh, not a great deal of uh, uh, business model innovation or new pricing model innovation that's happening. However, what is indeed uh, interesting and uh, in the early stages of uh, um, what we are beginning to see is our ability to price our services based on value. Meaning, um, you know, you uh, price based on a certain outcome, right? Uh, say, for example, if it's an analytics product that you are uh, putting together, uh, you can probably uh, price based on an outcome for those analytics engagements, or if it's a 
um, uh, cloud-based uh, mission-critical transaction system that you're putting, your ability to price on the basis of a transaction, those become uh, possibilities. I'm not saying that it's becoming mainstream yet, but we are seeing some green, green shoots in terms of customers' uh, willingness and ability to look at uh, alternative pricing models rather than just a simple um, cost plus kind of pricing models. Because I think there is a fair share of uh, uh, fair sharing of risks and rewards um, that uh, becomes uh, appealing. Obviously, um, the great majority of customers today have no problem in sharing the risks, but when it comes to sharing the rewards is where the <laughs> nub comes. But uh, suffice it to say that the uh, willingness and openness of customers to look at these uh, newer risk-reward uh, sharing-based pricing models is definitely on the rise, and we are beginning to see some green shoots. Hmm. So in under these uh, new uh, kinds of models, uh, uh, typically uh, today, what, what might be the average size uh, of a contract? What might be uh, the typical duration of these contracts? Sure. Uh, again, Harry, it's uh, uh, difficult to call out one average size, but um, suffice it to say that uh, the large uh, Horizon One cloud transformations, which are largely about uh, lifting an on-prem uh, workload, uh, big or small, into the cloud and shift it into the cloud, right? that is where the bulk of the volume is coming. And uh, those tend to typically uh, look, feel, and uh, uh, priced like our standard infrastructure outsourcing contracts. Right? So by way of a range, the averages uh, tend to be somewhere between 5 million, 50 million kind of deals is what uh, gets struck. And I would put the average somewhere between those two numbers. That's a broad range, but that's where the spectrum is currently. And we, as uh, the cloud uh, uh, adoption and maturity improves, we clearly see these uh, deals also becoming multi-hundred million dollar deals and so on as we uh, move forward. Okay, a uh, couple of last questions. Uh, take us through how your partnerships uh, with your biggest hyperscaler partners uh, are evolving. When you started out, what did you start offering your customers through those partnerships? Today, what are you capable of and uh, uh, where is it all headed? Sure, I think that's a great question, Hari. Um, the um, Partnerships as a very, very key uh, strategic lever in our services strategy is uh, somewhat underexploited uh, by TCS in its uh, previous things. That's one of the levels of maturity that we, uh, I would say five years ago, that is one of the areas where we need to attain more maturity. But particularly in the case of uh, the hyperscalers, cloud partners, and also in quite a few others that we can call out. Now this maturity is uh, evolving quite rapidly. Um, Obviously, uh, many of these uh, cloud uh, executives in these cloud firms come from a history of uh, the previous uh, uh, big uh, ERP software firms. And so they come with uh, those kind of, kind of models already uh, in their minds. And it's only a matter of tweaking those models to suit the uh, context of the cloud. Right? And uh, secondly, from a partnership point of view, a mutual win-win is a very big aspect. And there, uh, by virtue of its contextual knowledge and the uh, technology capabilities which result in uh, increasing the certainty of delivery, the combination that TCS brings uh, by way of its uh, 
industry thought leadership, the consulting and services integration capability, and the contextual knowledge about the customer, the combination of these three is very, very vital in uh, the success of these engagements. And TCS is already very well known for its uh, delivery excellence for decades now. And um, you probably know that uh, year after year for the last several years, TCS is number one in terms of uh, customer satisfaction as assessed by many, many uh, third-party research agencies. Uh, White Lane in Europe being the one that comes to my mind right off the top. So um, the track record that TCS has established for itself uh, is a very big attraction for the partners. And so we are automatically uh, one of the go-to uh, partners uh, for uh, these hyperscalers. And on our part, we uh, believe it is not only our uh, opportunity, but also a responsibility to our customers to be able to advocate a move to the cloud because we feel it is such a powerful uh, capability enhancer for practically every enterprise in every industry. We actually feel that it is a responsibility on our part to advocate and help our customers move to the cloud. So the combination of these two is a very, very uh, important win-win proposition that makes it very attractive for uh, partners to work with us and for us to work with the partners. And in the process, the customer uh, benefits both ways, right? So we are uh, doing this extremely well, Hari. And uh, again, early days yet, but in terms of the outcomes that we have produced at such a, these business units, like I said, um, Microsoft as a business unit has uh, existed in its current form for a little over two years. And the others are less than two years old, the other two. But already, if you see, we have some outstanding recognitions from our partners. Uh, as an example, in the case of uh, Microsoft, we are globally their number one partner for Azure consumption revenue. So this is the revenue that goes on to Microsoft's books uh, on their revenue line item. And among all their partners in the world, TCS is the number one, which means TCS migrates more workloads to the Azure cloud than any other partner globally. Right? That's a remarkable feat to achieve in a relatively short period of time. Uh, similarly, if you look at the other two partners, uh, Google ranked us as the uh, breakthrough partner of the year. And uh, similarly, uh, AWS uh, called us the uh, rising star partner of the year. Right? So these are remarkable accomplishments in a relatively short period of time. It not only goes to prove uh, how committed TCS is to playing with the partners for mutual win-win outcomes, but also the value that it has been able to deliver the partners in earning these recognitions. So partners uh, equally value us, uh, and it's a very good win-win-win partnership for the customer, most importantly, and the hyperscalers and TCS, obviously. Okay. Uh, so last quick question. Uh, so in the context of uh, these developments, uh, if you throw the story forward in three, three to five years, give us a sense of uh, the most important uh, slash strategic areas where you need to accelerate your investments. So I would say, uh, obviously, the uh, this is a very high growth area, uh, Hari. And uh, TSIS is a company that uh, believes very strongly in organic uh, capability development. And we need to absolutely double down on um, enhancing our organic, organic capabilities. We need to hire more, uh, both from the campuses and from uh, lateral sources, and uh, equip them with skills that are required for the uh, cloud transformations that are ahead, which is a huge opportunity. That is at the basic level. Secondly, while uh, acquisitions and non-inorganic uh, growth strategies are not a prime uh, strategic lever for TCS, 
uh, obviously we have done uh, enough acquisitions and uh, have a fantastic track record of uh, 100% success in terms of our acquisition track record so we uh, will definitely be looking at and as we speak we are looking at uh, potential opportunities where uh, either important strategic capability additions or new market access or one of the or maybe even design capabilities uh, important uh, industry specific reimagination capabilities what have you we are looking at uh, inorganic opportunities across a wide spectrum of uh, uh, areas and i would expect that a fair bit of our investment will uh, go into that inorganic uh, side as well and obviously we will continue to uh, increase and enhance our investments uh, with our partners in our uh, go to market strategies in our sales capabilities in our uh, you know investments in terms of research and innovation labs uh, joint uh, garages and so on that will be a third area that i would uh, call out and last but not the least we will absolutely invest big time with our customers in um, co innovation and co creation projects um, because that is where the uh, secret sauce lay in terms of the potential that exists for the customers where we uh, work very closely in collaboration with our customers in being able to reimagine uh, what can be the next horizon of uh, growth and transformation for our customers which is the most exciting part uh, both for our customers and for us and we are privileged to be in this position of uh, being able to play that role uh, that cloud affords us okay excellent uh, sir a very interesting uh, conversation and thank you again uh, so much for generously making time for this uh, and i definitely hope to uh, keep the conversation going thank you so much hari it was a pleasure that was krishnan ramanujam that's it for this conversation You can find all our podcasts on forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arkali. Thank you for listening.